एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं फॉर एग्जाम्पल पेमेंट इज प्लम्बिंग गेटिंग मनी फ्रॉम वन पार्टी टू अनदर पार्टी थ्रू वेरियस पाइप एंड समथिंग लाइक अ यू पी आई बिल्ट अ बेटर पाइप टू फिक्स दिस प्लम्बिंग इशू द अदर बिग प्लम्बिंग इशू फेसिंग द इंडियन इकोनॉमी इज लॉजिस्टिक्स वी आर ट्रेडिशनली अ कंट्री विच हैज मच वीकर फिजिकल इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर बी एट रोड और रेलवे और शिपिंग दैन एडवांस कंट्रीज हाउ I believe that just like we did it in telephones like we in a way skipped the whole landline part of the journey and went straight to mobile telephony similarly we will be able to overcome these physical limitations of our infrastructure by using machine learning AI IoT devices to make logistics more efficient and today I'm speaking to Sridhar and Vidit who are the founders of LocoNav which is one of the pioneering companies in this field here sridhar and vidit talking about their days together at claytax and how that led them to become co-founders in loconav when at claytax uh, uh, we didn't know each other as well uh, except as colleagues and then you know once or twice you know we went for meetings as vidit described but uh, you know we had a third colleague called rishab uh so you know uh, who uh, who i was very close to uh, at cleartex uh, and then he he was also friends like friendly with with it so i think that's what then you know uh, led to like a brainstorming session and you know in fact just around the time when we were leaving cleartex that's when you know i got to know with it better uh, otherwise through most of the journey in cleartex uh, it was more very professional uh, and uh, you know it was rishab who was actually the connecting factor Uh, so then the three of us left uh, cleartax um, and you know what um, what 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 was the idea that you left with so uh, when we left i think there wasn't there wasn't any idea honestly uh, <laughs> yeah it is just it was just that uh, we we'll figure uh, it out yeah it let's out. let's get out and figure it out like there were a bunch of things going on in our head and uh, but i think the one thing that intrigued us was you know digitize digitization for smbs so you know we were looking at lots of the uh, clear tax was also in that space only in a way like they were also digitizing yeah see yeah, in front of us yeah while we were there it was more there was more action around uh, you know personal tax filing and then you know and you know either directly or through enterprise partnerships or banking partnerships uh now of course it's a very different business where you know i think enterprise is probably key uh, yeah gst now. made that pivot happen yeah. uh, correct uh. but uh, it was slightly different back then um but uh, but when we left i think uh, there was just uh, general intrigue around uh, digitization for you know smbs b2b so you know thinking like uh, across the board lots of different ideas like very very wide variety of sectors including education etc um someone we were speaking to told us hey you know you should you should uh, check out transportation and uh, you know in in also in our journey of meeting lots of different types types of smbs you know we came across a few fleet owners so i think that then led us to you know uh, we we found we found their business a lot more complex than a typical trader or wholesaler right where you know all the all the um you know everything that was required was in the place of business but in the case of a fleet owner right everything was out there on the road all the liabilities you know the driver and um, you know all, all all the stress factors for the business owner right uh, leading to greater lack of visibility so i think that intrigued us and you know we went deeper into meeting more fleet owners uh, to understand uh, you know where were their struggles 
what were some of uh, the areas that they needed support in. And uh, initially, during our conversations, the one thing that sort of stood out was, uh, and and maybe we, you know, we went in also with some preconceived notions, was, you know, around the whole freight marketplace opportunity, right? So we started a pilot under the name of a company called Baba Trucks, right? Trying to, you know, yeah, build a freight marketplace, um, you know, aggregating demand, supply. Uh, so the three of us played responsibilities. Someone was building supply, someone was building demand. Then we used to meet in the evening in a hotel room and sort of try to match that on the phone. So, okay. uh, <laughs> but for, w- w- yeah. what is the demand here? There's like corporates, uh, like corporates who like say yeah. factory say for, go down, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Either corporates or large transporters. So, uh, so actually, while building the freight marketplace, uh, we realized that okay, there's this other opportunity which is actually. Uh, like a much more low-hanging technology problem, which is and which is relevant to everyone, right? Uh, not just to truckers who don't have access to business, but anyone with or without access to business, and even outside the trucking community, other commercial vehicles, taxis, buses, tractors, earth movers, right? Everyone had the standard problem of, hey, I need to know where my vehicle is, I need to know what it's doing, I need to know how much fuel is spent. I think. As you know, the at some point the freight marketplace opportunity did not continue to excite us as much, and then we slowly started pivoting towards that. So we were in between Bangalore and Calcutta. Then we moved base to Delhi, uh, and uh, that's when we started working on this. Right? That okay? How do we how do we uh, you know build sort of great fleet software? Uh, for all these folks, you know, who need to know where the vehicle is, right? With it, uh, I want to hear from you. Like, what made you relate to this audience? Like, I mean, you know, like this is not an audience that you would have ever interacted with. What made you want to solve for them? See, like I would say two things. So first of all, I think somewhere down the line, you know, since both of us, uh, you know, families have been in business, and you know. Truck was logistics was something which was always a problem. Ki, you know, uh, so it was something which was you know we have been hearing. Ki, you know something just I think secondly, you know that realization, you know some things, you know the dots when you connect, right? So I think we always used to hear that, you know, if fifty pesa uh, of uh, you know diesel prices increases, so halla right? So but there was never this question kyun hota hai right matlab a car runs for probably 10000 kilometers price badh jata hai bread ka price badh jata hai just because diesel ka price badh raha but then specifically for fuel right it's probably private car runs not even 10000 kilometers in a year that's 5000 rupees but for a trucker right it used to be everything and then you know if you take a derivative then it's probably everything you know everything that you're eating everything that is around you came through a truck or a, or any commercial vehicle or if someone is moving from point A to B. So when you connect, you know, when you connect those, those dots, right, then it's like it, it's so huge. It's almost everything. And uh, uh, if you build a software and, you know, typically a truck would run for uh, cost would be probably somewhere between 35, 40 rupees per kilometer. And you're talking about a lakh kilometers in a year. So now you're talking about spending 40 lakh rupees a year. And if you if you can optimize that, if you can optimize, let's say uh, four rupees in that, right? So then the halla would be at least eight times, you know, than than the fuel diesel prices. So so I think that uh, that thought, uh, you know, at least gives a scale of the problem and scale of the opportunity. What was like the product vision, like was it just like a software to manage your fleet and? have a nice dashboard which uh, helps you to take good decisions uh, was that the vision or w- what was the vision like so i think there uh, yeah sorry so you know um, when we started uh, building lokunav um, we knew the market was price sensitive but we obviously didn't know the extent to which it was um, you know it was the first time we were also doing b2b software so the idea always was that uh, you know you know, like with it said, that if it's if it's it's if it's it's a product that's bringing them ROI, where they're seeing savings, where it's helping them, you know, do decision making around, uh, 
uh, around cost management and uh, helping them control fuel costs, etc. Why there shouldn't be any reason why you know folks would not pay for for this technology, right? And at that time, when we when we launched the product, you know, the market was full of these old school solutions or these uh, US based companies that were charging obnoxiously high prices, right? Uh, which is also one of the reasons why you know penetration was fairly low. I think when we started, the idea was how do you democratize access to this, right? Uh, and at some point, if it's free, sure, uh, you know, uh, how do you democratize access uh, to drivers, to fleet owners, even those who, who those who cannot afford this technology? We'll figure out how we can sort of bundle it with other services and make it affordable for them. If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion-dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis Podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the show. What was the product you wanted to make? Like, was it like a routing software, or what was it exactly like? You know, for, for listeners who are not from that great industry, help, help them understand the product. The, the, what was it that you wanted to build? Right. The product was pretty, in the beginning, was quite straightforward. Nothing like nothing fancy about it that, hey, you know, you're a fleet owner. You need to know where your vehicle is. You need to know what it's doing. You need to know how your driver is driving. You need to know how, you know, uh, you know what kind of consumption is uh, happening in, in your vehicle. Uh, and uh, so, you know, putting in an IoT device that was capable enough to capture all of that and giving them that visibility real time on an insightful dashboard, right, which is easy to use. Uh, and, uh, you know, even though a lot of most of the fleet owners or fleet managers, uh, you know, were, were very, very new to technology or to using smartphones. So it had to be very, very intuitive, user friendly. Uh, and that's that's honestly all that we focused on that great build great visibility software for these fleet owners so that they stop calling their drivers for eight hours a day uh, and you know focus on you know other aspects of their business life becomes easier for them uh, and uh, and then over time once you have this technology deployed in a large number or large network of commercial vehicles then of course uh, you know then the customers also the users also hooked on they're also you know used to using that technology daily and then you can, of course, you know, start giving them deeper insights, better reports, start encouraging them to, you know, deploy different types of sensors, which, which give them more information about the vehicle, diagnostics, et cetera. Uh, okay, like so, upsell opportunities. Correct, correct. So the initial goal was keep it simple, give them a good basic visibility tool uh, and just get this out there in the hands of thousands of fleet owners. So, uh, hardware is something which you obviously had zero experience of. I mean, with it was a, a coder, you know. So how how did you figure out the hardware piece? And uh, because I mean, you know, that would have been like a fairly new problem for you to solve. So uh, I think, especially for I think, if I talk about products, right? So um, you know, you'll find so many products where the first problem is to get users to start entering data into the product. Right. So for, I would say lots and lots of products, that's the core problem. How do you engage, you know, start, uh, engaging them? I think data is to be like, data is very important. Like people have to start, people have to post photos on Instagram, right? Otherwise it's uh, useless. So for us, that wasn't a problem. If you look at the, uh, other side, brighter side of the uh, product is that, that there's always data which is coming to us. Right. So. We are some uh, somewhere like let's say Datadog, right? Datadog is a, a company as big as Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, you you haven't heard of them, right? But what essentially they do is you know they uh, build this layer of uh, monitoring over servers, right? So where essentially server is an IoT which you know sends all the data back to Datadog, and you know they can build build logging solutions, application monitoring solutions. But there's always availability of data to them, right? So that's not now the data could come from any anywhere. So data could come from your own hardware, could come from a third-party hardware. So it essentially becomes irrelevant after you, you know, let's say have some critical mass. Uh, you know, initially no one knew about local apps, so you had to go and put your own hardware. But then, you know, slowly, steadily, they were they were vehicles which already had a hardware. 
So, you know, we started uh, getting that data on our platform and now probably we support almost 2000 different kinds of hardware uh, out there globally uh, supported by LocoNav, right? So we built that layer, you know, that uh, protocol layer, which could talk to uh, all these devices. And we kept, you know, we still keep on increasing that, uh, that, that number. That's a very crucial KPI for us, right? Uh, so like how Android works with seamlessly with almost every OEM that is out there, right? So think of us like that. And since, you know, now if I talk about the product, then, you know, data is always there, right? Uh, that's right? That uh, data will always be there. But uh, now there's infinite, infinite possibilities, you know, infinite possibilities. So I'll tell you how a small example I'll give you. So you're constantly getting this uh, feed of lats and longs, right? Where your drug is going. But that data, when you top it up with some more data, let's say you say that, you know, here a transaction happened on fuel. So now you know that it's a petrol pump, right? And so that simple uh, information can now, uh, you know, you, you could, you know, geotag the petrol pump. You could know what the fuel price at that point of time is. You would know, you know, what's the... Uh, TAT around the petrol pump, how much, how big, how big is the queue, you know, how much time people are taking to, you know, fill, uh, fill fuel there, right? Similarly, talk about tolls and, you know, you could start creating uh, insights where you would say, I'm very sure that this truck went to fuel pump three times in the trip and, you know, you start asking them, nudging them for more data, right? So, see, that's, that's the advantage that we have on our platform and uh, it keeps evolving, right? So, you keep getting more and more feeds. Uh, so we also now put a camera on the uh, on the on the vehicle, right? So you start getting feeds around, you know, not just the location but also the image, right? So you could see where the stoppage sign is. You could see where uh, what is the speed limit. You know, you could see if the driver is changing the lanes. There's also a camera which faces the driver, so you could see if he's drowsy. And you end up creating. So you're not scrutinizing the driver. You end up helping him, right? So you're telling him, you know, uh, you know, there's it has opportunities, uh, you know, how do you make roads safer for everyone, not just the driver? So, and then, you know, feeds around you, hand him a card. There's a, there's a toll tag that sits on the vehicle. So it's also IOT in, in some sense, you know, giving you back all the data around tolls. So you keep getting all this data, all this feed all the time with each and every product that you launch. Uh, we also launch an app which sits on the driver's phone. So all the stimulus that the uh, driver takes, you know, starting a trip, ending a trip, you know, uh, so stuff like that, we you know, start start maybe scanning the petrol bill. Uh, Correct, stuff absolutely. Like that. You know, eBay bills, and uh, so for us, you know, it's like data stream. Some would come through uh, solutions that we deployed. Some would come through solutions that you know vehicles already have. And you know, we are just collecting all these feeds, and you know, uh, uh, you know, creating insights which are not helping just them, but everyone in the ecosystem. Right. So yeah. Okay. So, uh, like, you know, when did this realization come that data is like the oil here that, that you're mining? So, I think, um, you know, fairly early in our journey as we started realizing that you know, this is not going to be a software only play, right? Uh, and, you know, uh, there is this entire ecosystem that uh, we're going to ultimately end up building, right? And also because, like you rightly said, you know, uh, it is a price sensitive market. Uh, so we we actually also actively started thinking about hey you know what else is it that this could ultimately evolve into right uh, and that's when you know the real realization dawned on us as we went deeper into what was going on especially in developed markets like the US right that the data that's getting generated from you know fleet management or telematics or IoT or whatever you might want to call it right was was invaluable to insurers, financers, weather companies, governments, right? Uh, everyone wanted access to this data to mitigate their risk, to better plan their products, uh, to sell better solutions to the end user, right? Um, and so we obviously, you know, uh, started making big plans around how this data could get used in the ecosystem by other service providers. Uh, but then again, you know, uh, it didn't it didn't work out as it was ideally planned, you know, because even in our country, there were like a bunch of reg regulations which don't allow all service providers to, you know, uh, basically base their decision, you know, finance decision making or insurance decision making on on this data. So, you know, that, that change is still coming. 
but uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, we see that over time, uh, as more and more vehicles, commercial vehicles come onto our platform, uh, the dependency for the service providers on us increases as we are able to provide them more insights on you know how those fleets are running and uh, you know what you know what is the ideal or the best product for that fleet. In fact, now in a lot of lot of parts of the world, you know, <clears throat> financiers, insurers, tire manufacturers, etc., are now mandating an IoT device at the time of uh, purchase of the solution, right? Uh, <clears throat> because they want to keep uh, they want to keep a view on how it's being used. They want to keep a view on what's the risk, uh, etc. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, uh, tell me about your go-to market. Like you figured out uh, a hardware, software solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure with it would have created uh, the application part of it and figured out the hardware. So, how did the go-to market happen? How did you like get your first customers on board? Right. And you know, tell me about that process. Yeah. Of so, actually, going from zero to one. Correct. So, go-to market has evolved drastically over the last uh, few years, as 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 it does, I guess, for most young companies. So, <clears throat> initially, our go-to market was two pronged. One was to, you know, uh, build uh, these. So, now because I came from you know a background of you know distributing or distribution of products, right? I thought you know why don't we go make resellers, right? Uh, and you know uh, why don't we go create distributors or dealers who will sell this for us in the local market who might already be catering some other product to local fleet owners maybe they're tire dealers maybe they're something else right hmm, hmm, hmm. so that was hmm. one part of it. and they would sell like the hardware software both yeah like like they would yeah, yeah. so device with the annual so it was it was just one bundle that came right uh, and then you know the hardware was the tangible part of it right uh, and then of course when the when the device got installed the product went live and you know as it's and it was easy to install like uh, say you could buy it from a auto parts dealer and that auto parts dealer would install it yeah so it, it required some early training but uh, typically someone who was already catering to commercial vehicles you know had that you know had some mechanic or someone who could do it right 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 install yeah, it hmm. install it right so i think Initially, the strategy was two pronged: uh, work with resellers or go to enterprises. Right now, uh, in enterprise, what we mean by enterprises is that you know going going to a large FMCG company, a large manufacturing setup, or a large cement company, uh, and tell them that hey, you know, you have these thousands of vehicles moving your goods, right? Uh, and you need visibility, right? Uh, so why don't you uh, you know mandate our solution? Uh, on the fleets that are working with you uh, and uh, and you get visibility and for them also is beneficial right uh, so you know uh, one of india's largest fmcg players actually uh, was was someone who we uh, initially started piloting with they liked the product uh, and in fact <laughs> through them is how we got our first customer right uh, because they decided to mandate it on one of their uh, you know regional uh, setups, you know, uh, in 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 fact, in East India, and uh, that's how we got our first two large fleet owners because the FMCG company told the two fleet owners in that region that hey, you know, I I need this solution and visibility because till now I've been you know uh, tra- you know tracking this data manually. I have analysts who keep uh, tracking turnaround time, but if I have this device, uh, you know, then I can sort of do that uh, through the dashboard right and for you also it's valuable because you know you will also be able to sort of get visi- real time visibility etc so that was uh, and what was the pricing uh, hardware and software right so uh, initially like i said you know uh, when we launched in the market the pricing was anyway uh, fairly on the higher side so we we used to charge about 100 dollars a year per vehicle right a little bit less about 90 dollars a year per vehicle. For India, that's really stable. yeah, that's right, right. But again, because that was mandate was coming through that large FMCG company, right? Uh, we didn't we didn't feel the pushback early on, right? Because then the fleet owner was like, you know, my customers telling me to do it. I, you know, it does. You know, I'll 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 invest in this technology, right? So the first few months we didn't feel the heat, but you know, as we went deeper into the reseller network, and you know, these resellers started selling to like local fleets, right? That's when we realize you know, that you know we need to you know uh, there's still a price discovery that let, that's left to be done, right? Uh, 
Uh, and then over time, of course, you know, the price has uh, come down a fair bit. Uh, but then again, like I said, the goal always has been that how do you democratize access to this technology? Uh, maybe at some point in the future, maybe maybe this technology becomes free, right? And then, you know, monetization for us or for companies like us, you know, uh, lies elsewhere, uh, will definitely lie elsewhere, right? Um, especially in a market like India, right? So. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Okay. And what was the cost of the hardware? So, uh, I mean, not um, I, the hardware. You know, cost us anywhere between fifteen twenty dollars. So, at that time. Now, of course, you know, over the years, as we've uh, you know uh, been able to uh, customize the solution, scale is a little bit more. So we have you know uh, uh, hardware built to our requirements uh, at a much lower cost. So. Okay, and so far this was self-funded. Yeah, absolutely self-funded. Then uh, towards the end of 2016, uh, we realized that uh, you know we will need some capital to scale up. Uh, you know, we were pitching to larger institutional investors, but uh, they did not you know find this opportunity as exciting, and it was probably also a bit early for them to come in. Um, so you know, we were able to put together a small round uh, with angel investors. Like quite a small round actually. Uh, again, because you know, no one in in India had before raised capital for fleet software. Uh, I, I'd say, I think outside of China, in in Asia, like no one had really raised you know uh, capital for fleet software. So, um, so for for most people, it's like hey, you know, the problem looks interesting. It's obviously a very large industry. You know, there are many many you know, multi-billion dollar companies that have gotten created in this space in Europe and in the US and now in China also. But, you know, this, these are emerging markets. People won't pay for software. You know, uh, it'll be hard for people to understand what the product does. Uh, so we're not sure where this is really going, right? So, you know, that was the general pushback from most investors that we met. But we were lucky that, you know, we had a few early angel investors who believed in us, backed us. Uh, and then... You know, How did you find these angels? Like... So I think uh, was it like cold email? No, or no, uh, not cold. Uh, you know, uh, you know, through our network of friends and family, you know, siblings, etc. I think we got introduced to a bunch of people through that. Uh, and uh, do, do you think uh, that the institutional VCs, the challenge there could also be a pedigree issue? That if you had been, say, IIT, IIM combos, they would have you know, maybe bet on the combination, figuring things out? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, see, because uh, uh, I don't think uh, that was the reason. I think that time, you know, uh, there was a wave around other opportunities that, uh, you know, uh, institutional investors were more excited about. Uh, you know, fleet software, you know, something that had never raised capital before uh, in India. Uh, was anyway something that would you know invariably look fairly unsexy, right? Uh, and or maybe if you were doing like a freight marketplace, uh, there would be more interest, right? But uh, but yeah, I don't think that was the reason back then. Uh, but uh, but yeah, and and also I think you know Akshay, uh, I think fundraising also requires good uh, good sort of storytelling skills. Right? Uh, on you know what this is ultimately going to turn into, uh, and I think that is also something that you know visits when we were not so great at uh, very early in our journey. Uh, so I think maybe if you were better at that, so uh, you know maybe you would have gotten a VC. I guess the the story itself would have evolved. No, at that time you probably didn't realize the value of the okay. data. At that time, probably you were pitching it as a SaaS. Pure SaaS, that's say, right. That subscription-based correct, revenues. Correct, correct. So, so I think it was a bunch of those factors. Uh, so, yeah. So, end of end of twenty sixteen is when we got you know some angel investment, um, and then early twenty seventeen we got uh, one more uh, angel investor. You know, uh, which you know kept us going for a few more months, uh, and then you know uh, towards the second half of twenty seventeen is when. Uh, you know, uh, larger VCs started uh, showing interest in us because we, you know, uh, profitably gotten a reasonable amount of traction. Uh, we had a few thousand vehicles on the platform using us, some marquee names using us. Uh, and the pricing was uh, that $90 only? Or by, by that, that time, time actually, the pricing probably fallen to about $60, right? Uh, 
plus there was also the reseller model so you know a uh, little bit average end user pricing was about $60 but average of probably for us would be about $45 $50 right so i think uh, so there by then i think there was just general intrigue that okay uh, guess this is a large opportunity globally and you know uh, you know at some point you know fleet owners in india will also start using this and it seems like you know these these folks have uh, figured something out here uh, if they've been able to you know scale up with such limited capital uh, the product looks great so so i think uh, also around that time what helped was uh, in the us you know samsara and keep trucking were really coming up uh some sara i think this raised a large round from andreessen so in general like globally there was you know some more excitement around the whole fleet software space so so, so when was your first institutional round and how much did you raise in the that first time? institutional round was in uh, end of 2017 uh, and this was a 3 and a half million dollar uh, investment by sequoia and uh, like subsequent to that like take me through that entire fundraise journey uh, through, like so once Sequoia came in, then how did that change your trajectory? How did you use? Yeah, so once Sequoia came in, then one, you know, we, we were less stressed at the time of uh, payroll uh, or salary payments, right? Because uh, you know we, we had money in the bank, uh, right? Which every every month, every big first week of every month used to be a bit of a struggle, right? Uh, but but yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, at a more strategic level. Uh, we could invest in engineering. We could invest in tech and product. You know, folks that we just could not afford to hire before, uh, except a few people. You know, who took the chance to come and work with us at very low salaries, right? Uh, and you know, we were very lucky that you know, uh, very early in our journey, we had a few people who who believed in us uh, and believed in what we were doing. Uh, so, so I think one, the first investment was primarily made around tech, product, and uh, engineering, basically. Uh, and then, of course, it also gave us the firepower to double down and expand our sales team, right? Uh, to go out there to meet more enterprises. Yeah. Also, you know, by then, the you know, we realized the reseller strategy was not super scalable uh, in the way we were doing it. So then we were like, you know, why don't we just build a large team ourselves, a large sales team ourselves, who's going to go directly to the fleet owner and sell, right? Uh, so then, you know, we started investing in building a large sales team. And then, of course, you also had to invest in operations and customer support team that would, you know, support that uh, that sales infrastructure. So. And uh, meanwhile, uh, like meanwhile with it, what was like the product journey happening, as, as, you know, from 2016 till about when the Sequoia Fund started getting deployed? And So I think from the product side, lots and lots of different kinds of users uh, came on the platform uh, in one go. As there was someone who had 2,000 trucks. There was someone who was sitting out of Chapra and had one truck. Right? So, so uh, because there were resellers also, there were enterprise sales also. We were you know, also uh, investing in building industrial uh, products since it was, it was, you know, it was very uh, closely linked because, you know, largely the technology, the core platform is something, uh, you know, which can power lots of manifestations. This was post-Sequoia or even pre-Sequoia? This, this started, this started 15 days after demonetization hit. So that's uh, probably uh, first, probably first January 2017, so pre-Sequoia. Pre but then it wasn't at a very big scale. So uh, we launched our own uh, wallet on the on the app that a fleet owner could use. And it was the first time when, you know, fleet owner remotely pushed money to a driver. Otherwise, you know, just imagine, you know, you are doing a Delhi to Bombay trip. It's a six day trip, uh, you know, back and forth. And then you have to give all the money on day zero. Now you had the power to, you know, push it real time. And then there wasn't any working capital blockage that was happening. But but how, how did uh, the drivers use that money? Like if it came on a local nav wallet, sure. how would you so, use it? Yeah. So there was a, there was a card that you gave to the driver and that, that card could be either swiped at an ATM or swiped at a toll or, you know, uh, anywhere. So, uh, so that happened. So there were so many things that were, uh, you know, yeah. this, like, uh, this is like a fintech in itself, no, like this, uh, card for employee expense. And, and I mean, there are like, like happy is a fintech, which does only this. Sure. Like, so, so how did you, so build see, this so we were not, we were not building these solutions. That's the whole point, right? So we were not, they were all, we were partnering with people, right? So, uh, I think. We, so probably in not just in services, also in products. So just think of any GPS company, you know, uh, 
you know it has probably let's say 5000 vehicles uh you know uh, sitting somewhere in let's say uh some part of uh, uh, south india let's say right so it's pretty restricted it's it's a local area network of 5000 vehicles you know which has uh, which does not have access to the best technology you know so i think that problem statement uh, remains the same for us i mean it was the same on day 1 when we started lokona that you need to democratize uh the access to the best technology and the best service to a fleet owner who could be sitting anywhere in the world right so how do you do that you can only do that by first bringing them on the platform and then you know opening up your platform to more and more services and products uh what they lack access to is the access to the users and the ac- more than that access to the right users uh right so i think that is what we are solving and now we are solving it internationally internationally it's a bigger problem so how do you make software avail- available to someone sitting out of kenya and there is a company there is a israeli company which has built a really great uh, uh engine diagnostic product but how do you make that available to someone sitting out of kenya right so uh, and then at the right price and uh, you know uh, for that developer to maximize uh, their income also right so something like a, something like a play store which does not only give you product they also give you service so they give you uh, a game application also but they also give you an uber which is a service right okay 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 super interesting so your uh, version 1 product was probably just something which was taking location data and showing it that was version 1 which started in july 2016 but then demonetization uh, demonetization hit in december 2016 so in 6 months it became a fintech product also right so and you know we kept we kept making it more and more vertical as we uh, as we you know uh, went ahead so i think it was a great year of uh, you know uh, like everyone wo- was probably uh, working 2x their pace and everything uh, we were trying to convert every possible customer who had any link to a commercial vehicle so it could be a so we were not just working with trucks right so it could be a a tractor also it could be a taxi also it could be a school bus it could be a ambulance right any any vehicle which runs for a pnl right is going to take advantage of this technology and as i said it's the core technology that sits uh, at the center which you know revolves around uh, uh, a vehicle as an atom and then there could be possible manifestations of this product so there could be a product you know which manifests into a cement use case which manifests into a, a large mile use case for example just like like just describe to me how that uh, you know how how the stack or, or or these things that you kept plugging in how they were happening like what were the things that you were plugging in one by one like a wallet yeah. is something you plugged in then like you know sure. so talk me through so let's say we plugged we plugged the wallet first right now so many things could be plugged to the wallet also so there could be a toll uh, fast tag system there could be expense management system there could be uh, you know uh, the other purchases that you do if you want to buy tires or if you want to, you know there there are loyalty fuel card programs uh, that uh, the fuel agencies run so they could also be attached so it's and we're talking about we're talking about 40 lakh rupees per vehicle per year so it's like huge amount of money uh then you know take a step further and you know you start integrating with their erps obviously the smaller ones won't have any erp but you know when you right for them you are yeah, the erp basically absolutely but then you know there are people uh, you know if you go beyond let's say 30 vehicles 25 30 vehicles there's typically an erp in place and uh, you know date some data is being stored there it's obviously not real time but there's something there so you start you know exporting that and you know dheere dheere you uh, start bringing their all their employees on the product right so how do you solve that so start working on that like a login for a driver a login for an account so for like the finance team uh, the finance team would manage the wallet uh, there's a op- fleet managers who you know will speak to the driver so all the communication happens there you know they start creating routes so like you integrated chat yeah. also so, in it like yeah so i think here probably whatsapp was something that uh, you know was uh, fairly important uh, so we use uh, we use whatsapp uh, you know try to make the product more passive than being active right so 
how do you make that passive uh so that you know a single fleet manager could manage more vehicles right so if if right now they're managing let's say eight vehicles how do you make them manage 25 vehicles right so that that was a very big problem statement for us then you know now if you're owner of that fleet so you don't want to get into ops what should be the view that goes out to the owner right and uh, so yeah so i think that uh, that kept happening and then obviously around resellers also so what should you show to your resellers they also want to see something uh and then obviously they were uh, on the product side yeah what would a reseller so, want to see so like, see i mean what does he care he sold the product yeah. he's got so, his market see again resellers would not just be pure resellers they could also be you know uh, oems they could also be you know uh, uh people who make consumables mobile yeah, oils right know, car yeah. car dealers basically car right. dealers right Very they also want some kind of engagement yeah. yeah very often car dealers want to deploy this because uh, you know they want to track when is the next maintenance due right uh, so that they can you know reach out for more business right or very often a financer or insurer wants to deploy it uh, because they want to track uh, financers actually very actively do this because they want to track the risk with the moving asset so, yeah there was there was one meeting with one of the banks i won't say their name and you know uh, there was this very big fleet i won't say the name again uh based out of delhi which had probably 2000 vehicles 2000 uh, commercial vehicles and they defaulted on probably 1500 of them uh in a matter of a year or something and 6 months before the bank knew we knew that they are going to default and that had Now that was because you know, you we were tracking that? what mileage they were doing right so they like literally they stopped running right now that visibility was with uh, was with us the bank didn't have that visibility right and i was telling the story to the to the same bank <laughs> in bombay and see it's it could be a very small sig- uh, like a uh, small signal but then you know it really uh, could derail you from a very big and we're talking about a truck that probably cost 25 lakh rupees it's not a uh, not it's not a car right so uh, so yeah so even that small signal could probably you know uh, help you uh, you know diminish your risk so these financiers would essentially again act as uh, people who mandate it rather than your actual paying customer like they would mandate it and then the customer would have it to depends. buy it if you want so uh, you know uh, you know financiers uh, typically try to uh, get the customer to investment Uh, so it really depends like there's no clear uh, way around and when did you uh, like so fintech was one major addition you did uh, what what else was there like did you also start offering other kind of services and products on the platform <coughs> like say uh, like yeah, buying yeah. tires as a use case or uh, like the or the uh, servicing of the truck and you know like tell Correct. me about that yeah so we did actually you know, uh, temporarily launch a tire marketplace Uh, which you know, uh, prior to COVID, we had to uh, sort of close down uh, because we, we we decided to sort of pick it up again once we were at a little bit more scale, right? Uh, but yeah, again, the idea was you know uh, there are fleet owners on our platform who regularly need to replenish their tires, uh, who and we were also trying to identify how we could use uh, you know that data with uh, you know with the data of uh, the telematics device right uh, so that you know we could feedback to them okay that you know life of the tire is is 100000 kilometers you know it's already run 30 or 35000 right um, plus trying trying to work with you know resellers and oems trying to figure out how we could uh, build some kind of uh, technology around that visibility as well right in fact as we speak right now you know we're uh, you know working with this tire tech company in the us uh where we are building trying to build a product together uh around uh, you know uh, helping fleet owners uh you know better track uh, the life of their tires ensure that you know there's optimum performance uh there's sort of minimum deterioration of the tires right uh so yeah so tires was one thing we did uh, and then of course there a lot of other experiments we ran we ran experiments around fuel cards we ran experiments with you know used vehicle marketplace uh so Yeah, most of these. Things. Okay, 
are these all running or like tell me right. about the so results of many of them like, uh, you know i think what's running well right now is say the payment solution so you know fastag for example you know the toll payments right uh, then you know uh, we also work with uh, you know uh, certain uh, i would say uh, companies who want to sort want like data insights around what you know uh, what's going on with with the assets that they've mandated the solution on right uh, so right now uh, akshay we're more focused honestly on uh, zeroing zeroing down on uh, you know getting a larger number of folks uh, on the on the platform right uh, because yeah on the core platform because we know that you know the marketplace is something that we've uh, we've tried experimented and it worked out successfully and you know some products live today uh, but the focus right now is, i mean the value of telematics is across pretty much anything that a, a commercial vehicle owner needs to consume today whether it's finance what do you mean by is, telematics this kind of data is basically called telematics right uh, but the data that gets generated from an iot device on the vehicle right uh, is valuable to pretty much any service provider uh, to that commercial vehicle owner today right so the idea is that so we realize we realize you know long term uh, that's that's going to be a no brainer expansion for us uh, right now the goal is to just zero down and expand on getting the software out there in as many fleets as possible so. mm-hmm. okay 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 got it okay so uh, tell me about uh, going global like when did so that start happening we've been thinking about global since uh, since 2019 uh, honestly no one had expected something like covid to happen so in the end of 2019 we actually one one quick question so uh, 2019 you had uh, another round also or it was still that no, sequoia in round in 2019 we raised another round uh, which was again led by sequoia uh, and we had another investor join uh, and then uh, end of 2019 that was how much uh, was that little, that's about 6 million dollars right yeah uh, hmm. okay There, there's like a series, uh, series A plus, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then, you know, end of 2019, we started thinking about going global. Uh, you know, we had uh, reached out to folks in Southeast Asia, visited the market as well. Uh, we had done a fair amount of work. We were ready to launch in early 2020. Uh, but then, you know, uh, around February, as you know, quarantine started getting announced. Uh, so we obviously had to sort of uh, pull back on all those plans. uh plus uh, the idea was also to time it along with the with the fundraise right uh, and then of course because of covid you know uh, business took a hit so even those plans had to sort of uh, be put on the back burner temporarily so so then you know um through the lockdown i think we were just sort of waiting for things to get back to normal but while we were doing that you know we started thinking hard about no uh, without traveling how is it that we can you know uh, launch in global markets uh, and uh, that's when we were like okay we why don't we just take a completely different strategy uh, we won't you know launch the same we, we won't sort of use the same gtm as india uh, we will actually uh, you know use a purely reseller model right why don't we because we can't travel why don't we remotely make resellers across all these markets the software is relevant to fleet owners anywhere in the world maybe we'll have to ju- sort of just you know build some language capabilities and some other regional uh, nuances to the uh, to the platform but you know it's 80% ready right uh, or maybe some local local server capabilities right so i think uh, that's when you know we took a slightly different strategy where we said okay let's just go uh, partner with folks and uh, in 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 the emerging countries uh you know who who are already in the business of you know uh of catering to fleet owners could be like you know uh could be anything right they could you know already be selling some kind of transport erp or you know uh maybe you know selling you know parts services etc right and so we started doing that right or maybe they're already in the in the in the business of selling uh fleet software and are looking for a better solution to resell so we started doing that started with africa southeast asia and uh, initially and of course also because of covid right uh, it took some time for you know uh, folks to build trust sign up uh, but once they started using the product once they started getting great feedback from the users so today you know we're at a point where you know we have 
uh, over a hundred active resellers across uh, C30 countries, right? And now, now we travel also opened up, so we're actively, you know, going to these countries and also sort of looking at other hybrid GTMs where in certain countries, you know, we we'll, we we'll launch ourselves. We won't we won't do the reseller strategy. So so yeah. So you know, uh, so this effort started I'd say in about Q3 2020, uh, and um, the first five six months were hard again because a lot of these uh, countries were themselves grappling with COVID. You know, there were very very you know India still had a short lockdown. There were countries that were in lockdown for seven seven eight months at a stretch, right? Uh, so so yeah, uh, but then I think by Q2 this year things started coming back to normal. So folks who wanted to sign up and were held back because of COVID uh, restrictions, you know, they started using the product. So now, you know, and then around the same time, we also, uh, you know, raised, raised around, expanded our team that's, you know, now uh, focused on, on selling this product globally. <clears throat> and uh, so we're in a great, great place now. So tell me about the most recent round. So, uh, a few months ago, we uh, raised around from uh, some great global investors. So Anthemis, which is probably one of the most active or land largest insurtech investors, uh, they came on board. Quiet Capital, uh, again, a great investor uh, from the US. They joined. Then we had RIT Capital Partners. Uh, we had we had uncorrelated, started by Salil, who used to be at Bain Capital. Uh, then uh, Village Global. So, uh, you know, a uh, good set of investors who understand the space were global in nature, uh, the ability to also open up a lot of strategic doors for us uh, as we scale into new markets. Uh, lots of learnings also from them because of, you know, their experience in uh, investing in, in this industry or, you know, related industries. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we were lucky to have had their support. Uh, you know, to back us. Uh, and uh, it was a $37 million round. This episode of Founder Thesis Podcast is brought to you by Long Haul Ventures. Long Haul Ventures is the long haul partner for founders and startups that are building for the long haul. More about them is at www.longhaulventures.com. 